0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. So we're beginning a new message series today, We Believe. This series is based on the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed uh, is something that is said in a lot of different uh, worship settings. Uh, There's other kinds of creeds and affirmations that are said in different places. But the Apostles' Creed is one of those that's very uh, kind of our basics of our faith. And so uh, most creeds are in three sections. There's something about God, something about Jesus, something about the Holy Spirit. And the Apostles' Creed follows that same pattern. We're going to take five weeks to look at this. Today we'll talk about our affirmations about God. The next two weeks about Jesus, Jesus on earth and Jesus in heaven. And then uh, the next week, two weeks, will be about the Holy Spirit and the church and the life everlasting as the Apostles' Creed ends. And so one of the things that we do when we uh, do these creeds and talk about these affirmations is what it is, is it's is we're doing theology. We're doing theology. Anytime you take a biblical text and you start to say, well now my understanding of that is You're doing theology. You're starting to try to interpret and articulate the meaning of the passage. So these creeds come from that. And that's something that we have been doing for a very long time. And so today's scripture passage shows important truths about what it means to say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It's a familiar story, it's about Moses and the burning bush. Uh, If you've never read that or know the whole story, I just go to the book of Exodus and read about the first three chapters. Uh, It's a great, great story. Moses is herding sheep for his father-in-law Jethro, and as he's out in the wilderness, he sees a bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed. It's not burning down, it's just, and it's, it's a marvel to him, so he just turns to go over toward it, and God speaks to him through the burning bush. So hear their conversation. Will you listen for the word of the Lord?
1: Good morning. My name is Becky Morrison, and I will be reading from Exodus chapter three, verses seven and eight, and ten through fifteen. Then the Lord said, "I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain." I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I'll be with you and this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, Now if I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they are going to ask me, What's this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. So say to the Israelites, I am, has sent me to you. God continued, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how all generations will remember me. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God.
0: Becky, thank you for reading the Scripture today. Appreciate you doing that. So, uh, just a little bit about the background of creeds in general. Uh, There are a lot of of creeds of faith uh, that were written over the many years. Uh, In the early days of the church, they were written primarily to uh, answer a question or to address a controversy. Because remember, in the first Uh, really, two, three hundred years of the existence of the church, they did not have the Bible in the form that we know the Bible. And so, and you had a whole lot of people who couldn't read. And you didn't have distribution of Bibles, right? And And so, there had to be some kind of statements that were made to say, this is what we believe and this is what we're going to adhere to. And so, for example, one of the early controversies had to do with the nature of Jesus. Okay, Jesus was the son of God. Okay, well, that so he was divine, but he was had an earthly birth. Was he human too? Which is it? And and there was there were controversies around that. And some said, oh, Jesus was he was really divine. He just looked like a human. And others were like, oh, he was he was human, who just had the mind of somebody that we can't even imagine. That finally came out to say, no, he was fully human, fully divine. So a creed was written to state that. Now, the Apostles' Creed was uh, written, they uh, think it's probably one of the earliest, if not the earliest, that, that started. And it, it went through some iterations and, and changes over the many years, but it's basically in the form it's been for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was originally written to be part of the examination of Pete for somebody who wanted to be baptized. And so it was, uh, in a sense, it was, it was kind of like a test, uh, and they did it in question-and-answer format. And so, the, you know, the person would be presented for baptism, and the priest or somebody else would say, do you believe in God? And they'd say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus? Believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit. So that was... That was what you did. And it kind of provided the basics of the Christian faith in a time before they had, like I say, the Bible as we know it. So you could memorize those things even if you couldn't read. And they didn't think of it exactly this way in those days, but in a way it kind of makes for a great elevator speech. Right? <laughs> you know, the elevator speech, what you, what, tell me about your business. You need to have an elevator speech ready. Well, what do you Christians believe? Then you could state it. This is what we believe. And so, um, there are a lot of there's, there's contemporary affirmations, there are different creeds that, that still get used in worship in various ways. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, Apostles' Creed. It's three parts. And today we're going to talk about, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's really all the Apostles' Creed says about God. The rest of it, there's a lot about Jesus, quite a bit about the Holy Spirit, not much about God. Except when you think about it, these, these are pretty loaded words, right? I mean, they, that says a lot. I believe in God, singular. I mean, to start with, we believe in one God, not gods, we believe in one God. The Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Well, I mentioned uh, that these creeds and affirmations are a part of doing theology, a way of taking the Scripture text and, and trying to articulate it in a way uh, that can be used in worship, that can be used in conversation. So uh, when we think of doing theology, there are some folks who get real nervous about that um, because they think it's just somebody you know, who teaches in a seminary that does theology. Uh, but, but really, it's, it really is just about us trying to understand our faith to give it words from our words and to, and to articulate it and to, to share it with others. So it's take it starts in the Scripture, as, as our founder John Wesley says. I mean, Scripture is the primary. That's, that's the place of God's revelation to us. So we start with the Scripture and we go from there. And so we, there are some questions that you can ask that are helpful in the ways that you, when you read the Bible, one of those is, What does this scripture say about God? So when you read a scripture passage, ask, what does this say about God? And one of the things to be clear about is, I mean, make sure you really see what it says. What did God actually say? What did God actually do? Because sometimes, and this has been true for me, you, you, you hear a biblical story enough that you kind of think, oh yeah, I know what that says, I know what that says, I know what that says. And then someday you really read it again and you go, oh, No, (laughs) that's a little different than I remember. So make sure you, what does it say? But then, given whatever it is God says or whatever it is God does, what does that say about God? What does it say about God's character? What does it say about God's nature? What does it say? Second question uh, to consider is what does this scripture passage say about humans? what does it say about humans what does it say about human nature what does it say about our tendencies uh, our uh the ways that we tend to uh, choose what we do and how we do things what does it say about humans and the third question is what does the scripture passage say about the relationship between god and humans what what's that relationship look like in this scripture passage and what does it mean Those are great ways to start in thinking about this. We're going to take those questions to look at this affirmation of God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in this scripture passage of Moses and God around the burning bush. So, the first question what does this say about God? Well, just a few of the statements. This is one of those great texts in that it's very direct. Uh, some, some quotes. Uh, God says, I am the God of your ancestors. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God of your ancestors. God says in this conversation, I know of the sufferings of my people. I know of the oppression my people experience in, uh, in Egypt. Uh, I know I, I hear their cries. I know of their pain." And, he, tell, and, he, and he, assures, he assures Moses, I will be with you. Just those three statements say a lot about God, right? God is a God of relationships. Has been from the beginning. From the beginning of creation, God created the first humans to have relationship. God is a God of relationships, and God continues those relationships throughout Generations. And in fact, some of those generations, some of, some of the activity of God may not happen in this generation, but it happens here. So you may have the prayers of people here, and it doesn't really quite get worked out to the next generation. I mean, we seem to have this expectation that God is going to answer our prayers now. Please. Come on, God. Get it done, right? God is a God of generations. I mean, when you think about the exodus and wandering in the wilderness, 40 years. The story about Abraham and Sarah that, that God promised, you're going you're to be the, the, the father of, of the, my people. And, uh, but Abraham and Sarah were, were advanced in years, it says, and, and they had never had a child. So you think the probability is pretty minimal, but God said, no, it's, it's you, I'm choosing you when you read through the scripture of when that promise was made and when their when their son Isaac was finally born 25 years 25 years God works through generations in time now i do want to take just a moment to say a little just a little bit about God as father Pretty typical in ancient times uh, for men to be the ones who were uh, property owners, who were the bosses, who, were the, who had the money, uh, all those, uh, had power, all those kinds of things. That's not unusual, certainly, uh, in, in ancient times. But it was also in the sense of God fathered a people. I mean, God came to Abraham and said, we're going to start this special people, set aside to be God's witnesses uh, throughout the world, and fathered. this this people. Now, there are those um, that will say they have a hard time thinking of God as Father for various reasons, for various reasons. Um, And some of those uh, that I've had conversations with over the years had such a... um, that their earthly father uh, caused them so much pain that they said i can't imagine thinking of God as father. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, there was a family I was around uh, some uh, and and I just you know their their dad was terrible, the way he talked to his kids, uh, and I was thinking, oh my goodness i yeah, I could see them saying hard hard for us to think about God as father now, when somebody says that. I've said before, we're all in different places on our journey. And and to me, someone who says, I have a heart of thinking of God as Father, that's more a question around pastoral care than it is about theology. And so I think we need to just know that. Some people are going to have different ideas about that. That's part of what theology does. But we also remember that when God, in Genesis, when God created the two humans, male and female, They both were created in God's image. Calling God Father is not intended to be a statement that somehow males are superior to females in any way. It's a role and a relationship that God had with God's people. So God cares for the people. He hears their cries. God promises to be with them. God promises to be with us. He promised it to Abraham, Moses, the prophets, Jesus. Jesus said, I will always be with you. So there's a lot about God here. So what does it say about humans? What does the scripture passage say about humans? Uh, I'm just going to take two statements that Moses makes. The first one is comes from... uh, It was a verse that actually Becky didn't read, but it's when God first spoke to Moses, and and, and he said, you know, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. But when he calls Moses' name, Moses says, here I am. Kind of that very willing, here I am. When you get later in the conversation, and God is saying, I want you to go to Egypt, you're going to confront Pharaoh, lead my people out. Right? Moses' response is, whoa, 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 I don't know. I I don't think, I think somebody's better at this than me. Why would you want me to do this, right? From, here I am, to, uh, hang on. I mean, doesn't that sound like us humans? We can get all inspired about something. We can say, yep, I'm going it's, to, it's, it's Lent. I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day, and I'm I'm inspired to do that. And then somewhere along the way, it's like, wait, wait, you mean every day? I need to pray without ceasing? <laughs> wow. That Moses initially is responsive to God and then begins to backtrack. I, yeah, I, Maybe it's just me, but've been there. So what does this say about the relationship between humans and God? What does it say about that relationship? Well, part of, part of what happens, of course, is when um, Moses says, "Well, who am I going to tell them sent me to do this?" What's the relationship here? Besides just the God of your ancestors? What's your name? What do we call you? And so it's a really interesting uh, passage. And, and part of the challenge of it is, is that in our day and time, we we've lose sight of this, but in the ancient world, names meant a lot. I mean, they meant a lot. And part of the idea was that if you could... Call something by name, then you had a position of power and authority over it. And so, the the ancient uh, people of faith believed that we humans literally could not say God's name. It's not that we; it was a big secret. It's not that it was like, No, we're not. We're humans. We can, are incapable of saying God's name. I mean, they had a, a really distinct sense of the the the. the Separation between uh, our, our world and God's world, the divine. Uh, even, even to the extent of when, when you're in God's presence, they would cover their face. One of the things when Moses realized it was God speaking to him, it said he veiled his face. Because they believed that if we humans looked at God, we could not survive. Not because God was bad or mean or anything like that, it's, but it would be kind of like getting too close to the sun. You can't, <laughs> you can't survive that. So, who do I say sent me? What's your name? That's a much bigger question than you and I tend to think of. And so, the answer is, tell them I am sent you. Now I'm, I, you know, I'm not a scholar in the Hebrew language and in translating Hebrew to English. I've, uh, so, but I've read things about this. Uh, I had a good friend who was a Hebrew scholar a long time ago. And one of the things about Hebrew is there's always subtleties and nuances in the language and how you translate it from one from any. This is true of any language, but especially Hebrew. And so you you could rightly translate this to I am. Or, I am who I am. Or, I will be what I will be. <laughs> All those are valid translations of the language from Hebrew into English. And the one, though, that I think is the one that resonates with me in this passage is that, is that God's identity gets connected to God's activity. Because another way it could be translated is, I am... The one who causes things to pass. So Moses, I need you to go and confront Pharaoh. To tell my people who are in pain. Tell them that the one who causes things to pass will deliver you from slavery in Egypt. It's a name that has a promise attached to it. Because the thing is, God's work is always intertwined with human activity. God's work is always, God calls the prophets to speak to the people, right? God calls forth leaders to lead the people. God, it's always God working through humanity. So understanding and looking at that relationship is incredibly important. So what we, so you have this, it, what, what this is, is a, is a typical call story um, in the Bible of God calling someone to be a, pro, a prophetic have a prophetic role. Uh, it's the same pattern as Jeremiah and Isaiah and Jonah, where God initiates the conversation. And at first, the person is, wow, or, you know, I, wow, God's speaking to me. And they might hide their face, they might, but kind of this sense of awe that this is happening. And then God says, hey, I need you to go do this thing. And then they say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about this. For, uh, for Jeremiah, his objection was, I'm too young to do this. Uh, Isaiah, his, his objection was, oh, you're going to need someone to speak your words, and man, have you ever, you know, you've heard the words come out of my mouth. I should not be your spokesperson. For Jonah, it was that God sent him to, to preach to the, the people in Nineveh, the Ninevites. And you remember his objection. He said, I hate those people. I don't want to go talk to those people. But with each one, God says, I will be with you. That we're going to accomplish this together. I'm not just sending you out on your own. I am with you. God always promises to be with us, to give strength, to give protection, to give us the words to say, all those things. God promised to be present with Abraham, with Moses, with the prophets with Jesus. Jesus told his followers that he will be with us always through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is and will always be with us. So that's what we affirm when we say, we believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We're affirming that God is with us when we feel the fullness of God's Spirit in a moment of inspiration. That God is with us when we are crushed by grief. That God is with us when, when joy overflows because of God's blessings. And God is with us when we have trouble making sense out of life. God is with us. The God who created our existence. The God of the generations before us and, and yet to come. The one who loves you is with you. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Now, friends, we're going to focus on this Apostles' Creed during the season of Lent uh, to deepen our faith, to deepen our sense of belief, our conviction in these things that we hold to be true. As we do that through the season of Lent, we're going to have some ways for us to show that in tangible actions. One of the things that we did this last Wednesday night, some of you might have been at the Ash Wednesday service, and one of the things that we did was we talked about this motif we're going to have throughout the season of of a tapestry. If you've ever looked at a tapestry, they, it can be decorative. It can have like a scene depicted on it. But the way they're made, right, is by just running the thread back and forth on the loom. And at first you don't see it, but as time goes, you see the picture emerge. And when you think of the season of Lent, if all you hear is Ash Wednesday, if all you hear is Maundy Thursday or Good Friday, or any, that's not the picture. But they're all important. So we're going we're to create... Uh, our own tapestry in our own in the two worship spaces and so as we sing a closing song um, you are welcome to be a part of that and that's this frame over here there are some square pieces of cloth and you will ju- you would simply take that and uh, as best you can poke those into the holes of that netting next week it'll be something else and something else, and something else. And we'll just keep doing the, making this tapestry as we go to see how God is at work through things, sometimes the lovely and sometimes the unlovely, sometimes through the easy, sometimes through the difficult. And yet in all those things, the picture emerges that God is with us and that God loves us. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.